0: You're listening to RootLock Radio. Hello and welcome to RootLock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston and I am your host. I know it's been a long, long time, and I hope that you have been surviving and growing in this intense time in the world. I feel that I owe you an explanation of sorts. Perhaps I don't owe it to you, but I think it would be kind of me to fill you in on what's been going on. In early February of this year, 2021, I announced a mid-season break in Rootlock Radio Season 4 and said that I planned to come back in a few weeks' time. Well, clearly that didn't happen. As many of you may know, I had been on a journey to become a therapist during the first few seasons of Rulock Radio, and now I'm fully licensed and working full-time, and I have realized it is becoming harder and harder to devote time to any other kind of work, such as the podcast. It's not a matter of desire as much as a matter of mental energy. In my week-to-week life, I find the kind of energy it takes to make this podcast is sort of tapped out by the work I do with my clients. If I were to do both, I'd be compromising the quality of my work in one or both places, or I'd be pushing myself towards burnout, or maybe both. In many ways, this pains me because I love doing the podcast and I love connecting with all of you. At the same time, there's something that feels right about it. It is as if making this podcast was a kind of bridge that helped me to get where I am today. And so much of the exploration of life that I did when contemplating and creating these podcast episodes really set me up for the work that I do now. There are many ways to define therapy and none of them are probably totally accurate. But one way to conceptualize my job as a therapist is that I help people to put a narrative to their life and their experiences and to identify where they have been, where they are now, and where they are going. This may all sound very simple, but without a practice like therapy, most of us do not take the time to slow down and really reflect in this way, especially with another person. Tarot is also a practice that helps us to slow down and reflect and my approach to tarot has always been one of narrative making. So all this is to say that I now look back on and construct the narrative of my journey as one where Rulock Radio was an essential step in getting me where I am today. But I realize at the same time, your journey with the podcast is not my journey. And some of you may have been disappointed, sad, or frustrated when I dropped off mid-season, and did not give an update. And I want to hold that and recognize that, and thank you for being here now, and to say sincerely that I am so sorry. I know from my own engagement with resources like podcasts how much I can come to rely on them as a source of support. And to have this resource disappear without an explanation could be distressing even. For some people, this could in some way replay other losses or other painful or upsetting experiences in their lives. If that's you, you're not being dramatic. I am truly sorry, and I will do my best to be more clear about what is happening moving forward. Now, for anyone who is new to RuLock Radio, welcome. I am glad that you're here listening. This is a podcast where we explore the tarot, and particularly the systems of meaning within the tarot that can help us to get to a place where it clicks and you no longer need to refer to books or other people's teaching to use the tarot however you'd like to use it. If that sounds like a journey you would like to go on, I recommend going all the way back to the first episode of the first season of the podcast. The first season is essentially a comprehensive course in tarot aimed at helping you to unlock those systems of meaning So you can have a basic understanding of tarot and then build on that in a way that feels right for you. So what am I doing now? Today, I'm not here to announce the return of the podcast exactly. I'm sorry if that's a disappointment. Again, I don't think I have the capacity and I'm not about to set an expectation that I know I cannot follow through on. I know how that feels from what I already did. That said, I did feel interested in releasing an episode exploring the beacon cards of 2021 and 2022 as we transition into a new year. So that's what you can expect from this episode. So if you're wondering about the future of the podcast, I gotta say, so am I. I shall have to see how life unfolds as I settle more into my career. I'm also currently navigating potentially some shifts that could rearrange things in a way that frees up more energy for something like this. I'm not totally sure yet, but if that were to happen, I may very well get back to Rulock Radio or something similar in some form. But for now, I have one episode for you, and in this episode, we will look at back at 2021 and how the energy of the Hierophant showed up, and look ahead to 2022 and forecast how the energy of the lovers may emerge. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Root Lock Radio. The Beacon Card for the year 2021 has been the Hierophant. We know this because you can identify the Beacon Card of a year by reducing its number. Two plus zero plus two plus one equals five. And the Hierophant is the fifth card in the Major Arcana journey. Now, if you do not know about Beacon Cards and want to know more, I recommend going back to season three, episode one of this podcast. That episode gives a full rundown of Beacon Cards, what they are, how we identify them, and the many ways we can apply them. So again, the beacon card for 2021 is the Hierophant. If you are familiar with my way of viewing the Major Arcana, I see it as an archetypal journey through life, and each card essentially represents an archetypal moment that most of us encounter in one way or another in our lives. Of course, our real lives do not follow this journey start to finish perfectly, That's why it's an archetypal journey. It is a representation of how life would look if you fictionalized it in order to emphasize the themes. On that journey, the Hierophant represents the challenging transition time that is the first separation and individuation in childhood. In the previous cards, the person in the journey was nourished by their archetypal mother, and then given some rules and structures by their archetypal father. Now, I apologize for the gender norms here. If you've listened in the past, you may know that I reject the gender binary and any gender roles that come with it, but on this archetypal journey, this is kind of what we're working with, at least in the way that I see it. We do not need to subscribe to these ideas, but we can extract the archetypal experience or symbolic energy from any card that embodies these norms. So, for example, the archetypal father which is the emperor, embodies rules, structure, boundaries, and authority that is interpersonal, like an authority figure in your life, like a father. This as compared to an authority figure that is collective, which is more where the hierophant lies. So the hierophant represents the experience of beginning to step away from those archetypal parents For many people, this means going to school for the first time or attending some kind of religious place of learning. The common theme between these two experiences are institutions and indoctrination. So far in this journey, the archetypal journeyer has only really been exposed to their family of origin. They are now stepping out into the world and being shaped by the society they are in. They are being indoctrinated by the social norms and expectations that the social group that they're a part of subscribes to. And this can really vary depending on what that group is. So for example, if your caregivers are queer atheists, you're going to be absorbing very different ideas and values than if your parents are heterosexual evangelical Christians. And those ideas will likely be communicated to you by whatever social group your parents or caregivers are aligned with. Regardless, there is a loss of innocence here, particularly in the case where the institutional figures have an agenda for you. Children are pretty likely to be curious and accepting of others no matter who they are, but the adults can teach them to think that the other, about the others in a certain way. There is a social fracturing where suddenly the child of the atheist queer parents and the child of the straight evangelical Christian parents may switch from seeing each other as friends to seeing each other as enemies just based on the ideas that they're absorbing. If the caregivers are not careful with their messaging, the individual is squelched and individual individuality is lost, and people who are different from us become stereotypes. The benevolent potential that comes with being a child can be destroyed at this time. That loss of innocence is part of the Hierophant experience. So stepping back, there are some themes that arise in the archetypal Hierophant moment. Dealing with authority that is not interpersonal, again like a parent or caregiver, but a collective authority figure, more like a teacher or principal or a priest being indoctrinated by a social group, rifts developing based on these ideological structures that obscure the humanity of the other, a loss of innocence, and with it all, grief. Grief is the emotion word I associate with the hierophant. And I see this as the first encounter with grief on the journey. It is painful to lose that innocence and to wake up to the reality that humanity is a fractured group, and not a harmonious one. I remember as a child being so confused and horrified when I saw Operation Desert Storm on the news. It occurred right around when I was this age, in this age range of starting school and entering a time of social conditioning, and I wondered why on earth would people want to go to war? I really couldn't understand it at all. And I found it heartbreaking and terrifying that war was not something that was just a tale from the past or fiction, that it was a reality. It shocked me. It seemed so simple and true to me that hurting others was wrong no matter what. But soon I learned all kinds of horrid realities that exemplified that that adults do not think this way, or maybe better said, the collective of adults doesn't think this way. And that is the flavor of grief that comes with the Hierophant. And to further solidify this, you can look at the five cards in the Minor Arcana, all of which take on a particular tone of the Hierophant energy. There is a lot of grief present in those Minor Fives too. The most obvious is the Five of Cups, which I see is actually encouraging us to be with our grief and to make space for the grief process before continuing on the journey. And this is because the water energy of the cups is the energy that's most able to be with a tough emotion like, like grief. And so though many of us see this card as being painful, and it is, it also models for us how to handle something like grief. The other minor fives uh, also show us the more destructive side of what can happen when we deny or defend against that grief. So what happens when we don't make that space for it? With the Five of Wands, we see a kind of entangling energy that comes from people working together, but at cross purposes. They're all driven by their own egos. And when we are primarily self-serving in what appears to be a collaborative environment, the result can be frustrating or even painful. On the Five of Pentacles, we encounter a time of destitution and the knowledge that we cannot count on our most basic needs being met even in a society that has plenty for everyone. And in the Five of Swords, we see a power grab at the expense of connection and the wellness of others. All of the five cards in the Minor minor Arcana bring painful moments of realization, particularly around the harsh realities of the world and of human nature. Over the fives, across the fives, we see that they kind of knit together to show us that in response to the discomfort of grief, oftentimes people can be selfish, greedy, and power-hungry, and that this comes at the expense of harmony and the well-being of the collective. The hierophant, being the beacon card of the year 2021, suggests that the hierophant themes are the themes that we have been working with this year, So let's try to map some of this onto the events of 2021. Now, first, I want to say that my personal views and values, what you may call my political beliefs, are going to show up here. I don't know how to talk about these things without that happening, and I also don't really want to. My beliefs are part of who I am, and this podcast is a place for me to use my voice, But if you feel differently about anything I state here, I want you to know that I see you and that I have a lot of respect for you listening in spite of that. In fact, that kind of acceptance that others are going to have their own beliefs and that sometimes they are essential to who they are is something that the hierophant can teach us. Of course, when we see others' beliefs as harmful, it can be impossible to understand or tolerate them. But the Hierophant invites us to get curious about the complexities of this. And I think this is something that the year 2021 has challenged me and perhaps many of us to do. It is hard to hold that complexity. We often can flee into blaming others or grabbing for power or other toxic responses, kind of like we see in some of those minor five cards. We can follow the delusion that if everyone just thought the same way that we do, The world would be so much better, but that's not going to happen, and it pulls us out of holding the complexity and feeling the grief. I think as I record this episode, I am going to talk about the Hierophant energy from a more understanding place than I did when I recorded the episode about the transition from 2020 to 2021. We'll see if that's true, but if it is, I may be an indication of how the Hierophant year has changed me or influenced me. The ideal outcome of a Hierophant experience is that you come out of it less defensive and blaming and better equipped to hold the complexities of collective humanity. This more grounded and curious perspective comes from effectively processing the grief that emerges from this collective fracturing so when i think of 2021 being a person who lives in the united states the first event that stands out to me is what happened at our federal capitol building on january 6th of this year i don't need to recount that event but we see a collective authority figure indoctrination of beliefs ideological rifts and then the power grab and greed that can come from an unwillingness or inability to hold the complex grief of the moment. To me, this event seems to be the scary climax of a tension that has been building for years and years in the US. In no way has that tension been dispelled by the event. Instead, I think that event really woke us up in a new way to the depth of the rift in American ideology. The same rift has been in the American psyche for as long as America has existed It drove the Civil War, and though it has since evolved, it has never gone away. January 6th shows us that and helped us to see that there may be no real safe or easy way out of this. So here we are seeing those hierophant themes, the ideological rift, seeing those on the other side of that rift as the enemy, and also the huge amount of pain and grief that we all may feel in this loss of innocence. And just as we see in the five cards, unless we are able to sit with and feel that grief, we may respond by becoming more greedy or power-hungry or selfish. And to be honest, this makes sense. If the world doesn't feel safe, then we're going to grab all the resources and power we can so that we'll be the ones that survive. The problem with this fear-based response is that it just perpetuates the issue, deepens it, rather than taking a step towards resolving it. And I think so many of us came away from that day saying, okay, we are getting a new president, but the problem isn't going anywhere. Now, we have a new president, and it couldn't be more clear that this didn't fix the issue. A change in leadership cannot erase or mend the fractures that have always existed in a sprawling system. There's no easy or quick fix, and many of the pressing issues that were ignored in the previous administration are still being ignored. Bills get proposed, altered, and passed, but many of the fundamental issues remain unchanged. So perhaps another hierophant theme is losing the illusion that changing figureheads will change the system, because a hierophant is a figurehead of an institution or an ideology. But it is not the ideology or the institution itself now don't get me wrong there are many ways that this current president is different from the last and still at the same time the fundamental flaws in the system remain perhaps the emperor year of 2020 included more of a fantasy that having a different authority figure would make everything different and the hierophant shows us that these figures really are just symbolic in many ways. Swapping one with the other is in many ways a symbolic gesture. Ouch, that's painful and illusion shattering, and there's the grief. Other events of the year also highlight similar hierophant themes and lessons. I think this is the year when many of us realize that the pandemic is not going to be easily solved either. Sure, we have vaccines, But what if ideological rifts, there's a a hierophant theme, mean that a large portion of the population will refuse to take them? And what if the greater imbalance in the distribution of wealth and resources across the globe mean large portions of the Earth's population don't have access to the vaccines? The virus does not honor the arbitrary boundaries we have created between nations— those borders mean so much to us and have such an impact on our life experiences, but to a virus, they mean nothing. And the tactics we employed, like shutting borders and halting travel, exemplify this. These tactics are yet to stop the virus or a new variant from crossing borders, and the longer we deny access to vaccines to great swaths of the world's population, the longer we will have variants that render the vaccines ineffective. So the debates around vaccination within a country like the US, which were pretty heated early in the year, are looking less and less relevant if we continue to wrestle with a global crisis. Illusions are shattered and we feel grief. The number five is awkward in many ways. In shape form, the hexagon is as if a square has grown an extra corner and lost its structural integrity. There can be something like a partial collapse in a hierophant time. It's not the total collapse of something like the tower, but a partial collapse that reveals the ongoing issue with the structure. The ways the structure cannot hold or cannot grow and maintain its integrity at the same time become clear. Now, much of this is pretty dismal, isn't it? You may be wondering, what is the healing invitation of the hierophant if it is leading us to so much pain and grief? Well, the way I think about it, it's not so much the experience itself as what we are taking away from it that determines that. Are you walking away from this year feeling bitter, angry, and driven to point fingers and demonize others? If so, you may be missing your healing hierophant lesson. Or are you leaving this year feeling the pain and also recognizing that these are very complex issues, and so addressing them is going to require holding that complexity? If so, you may have received that healing invitation. Remember that the Five of Cups is the five card that shows us what to do when we feel this grief. Stay with it, examine it, feel it. Give it the space to show you what it wants you to learn and what it needs from you. The hierophant is a teacher. When we have a bad teacher, we do our homework to pass the class. When we have a good teacher, we do our homework so that we can take knowledge and skills with us that will change our approach forever. The experience evolves us, but we only see how true this is as time rolls on. So though I've really only spoken about collective experiences here, I also invite you to think about your own personal realm. How have you encountered these themes in 2021? How are you running into ideological rifts? How are you reacting? Are you seeing grief in your life over a loss of innocence? Are you encountering power grabs or power struggles? Are you struggling to understand how to work through some very complex dynamics? Are you witnessing the partial collapse of any systems in your life? I invite you to reflect on and perhaps journal about these questions, or maybe to draw some tarot cards to aid your reflection. See if you can find and hold some extra complexity as we conclude this year. For myself, I have come across some good last-minute hierophant work in the form of a book that I'm reading, and I highly recommend. It's called My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma, and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies by Resmaa Menakem. Menachem is a therapist in Minneapolis, and this book is about generational trauma. The whole book is great so far, I'm still reading it, but the Hierophant work I'm referring to really came up in chapter 8, which is titled White Body Supremacy and the Police Body. In this chapter, The author reframes the rash of police killing black people as often a trauma response meeting centuries of racial conditioning. He writes in a way that I think could make everyone from the ACAB to the Blue Lives Matter folks feel both validated and schooled. I found this material impressive and enlightening and inspiring because it holds all the complexity of the issue without sacrificing moral or ethical integrity. So let's take a quick break and then look ahead to year 2022. As we turn to looking at this bridge into a new year, I want to give you a quote from another book that I'm currently reading, which is Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde. It's a two-part quote from the essay, The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House. And I think the first part captures what we want to be leaving the hierophant with. So here's the first part. Quote, Difference must not only be tolerated, but seen as a fund of necessary polarities between which our creativity can spark like a dialectic. And then I think the second part of this quote really takes us into how the Hierophant sets us up for the lovers. Quote, Only then does the necessity for interdependency become unthreatening. Only within that interdependency of different strengths, acknowledged and equal, can the power to seek new ways of being in the world generate as well as the courage and sustenance to act where there are no charters. Within the interdependence of mutual and non-dominant differences lies that security which enables us to descend into the chaos of knowledge and return with true visions of our future, along with the concomitant power to effect those changes. Which can bring that future into being. Difference is the raw and powerful connection from which our personal power is forged. End quote. So, as we move from the Hierophant, we're moving into territory that, as Lord says, has no charters. And we will be seeking new ways of being in the world. Really, our ultimate goal in all of this is to forge our personal power, which we will really step into in the chariot year of 2023. But having used this quote as an entry point, let's step back and look at the year ahead. The beacon card for 2022 is the lovers. So let's talk a bit about this card, its place in the journey, and how it can serve as a beacon as we work our way through this coming year. The image I associate with the lovers is a mirror. Six is a number that has a nice harmony to it, three and three. Three is a progressive number, a number of growth and nurturing, a triangle pointing us in the right direction. And so six is a number that kind of proliferates that energy and represents a doubling up of it. We'll get to the minor six cards in a bit. But you can see in those cards that there is a restoration of harmony. In the life journey, I associate the lovers with adolescence. Empress and emperor are early childhood. Hierophant is the rest of childhood. And then the lovers is the adolescent years. And here are some themes I associate with adolescence. Rebellion and experimentation. Figuring out who you are separation and individuation, in the sense that you are identifying less with your family of origin and more with your peers. And then along with all of this is an emotional volatility. This is a big time of change and flux in your sense of yourself and identity in your body and your sexuality. It really is a time where underneath all of the ups and downs, we are figuring out who we are and who we want to be in the world. We are flipping on and off the switches until we find the right combination to take us into adulthood where we will have more full autonomy. And autonomy is a theme with the lovers too. This is a time in our lives where we might begin to gain freedoms that were denied to us previously. Our caregivers may start letting us go out unsupervised. We may learn to drive and get a license to do so. So you can see the overall vibe is almost like creating the launch pad that we will jump off of when we enter adulthood. Really, The Lovers is the transition from childhood to emerging into adulthood. In considering this, it is important to also recognize that this is a really volatile time. As we move from one major phase of life to another, childhood to adulthood, we are bound to hit turbulence. While this is a time of newfound freedom and rebellion and expression of self, right alongside that is a time of deep insecurity and instability. In adolescence, we may love something one week and hate it the next week. We may try on different identities and then discard them just as quickly. And we have these emotional ups and downs. We experience the highest highs and the lowest lows, sometimes in the course of one day. And while we are defining and refining our sense of self, we are incredibly sensitive to how we are being perceived by others, particularly our peers. We feel that we are under constant scrutiny, and in the less pleasant moments of this experience, we feel like we are under a microscope and maybe riddled with insecurities. So as far as the Major Arcana journey goes, this is quite a departure from the Hierophant energy. While the hierophant is restrictive, this is overall pretty expansive. While hierophant is associated with indoctrination and absorbing ideas from older generations, the lovers is a time of pushing back against that and looking for freedom in thought and expression. While hierophant is very much about communities and how they often clash, lovers is about the individual and can feel more like me against the world than us against them it is the bridge that connects the indoctrination and collective thinking energy of the hierophant with the card that most represents individuality and autonomy in the deck which is the chariot so the lovers is the kind of choppy water we encounter as we cross from one solid energy to another and it can be fun and exciting and dynamic and energizing while also at the same time being terrifying and emotional and unstable. With the lovers, we don't yet have the confidence to truly deeply believe in our identity that we will have in the chariot. So there's always a question mark hanging around. So why do I think of the image of a mirror when I consider this card and all that it represents? Well, I think it is a helpful way to translate this period of life into an image or energy that we can all relate to, no matter where we are in our lives. In a lover's time, we are looking out at the surrounding environment in order to better understand ourselves, just as an adolescent defines and refines their sense of self through their external world. Who your friends are, what your clothes are, the decorations in your bedroom, the posters on your walls the movie, music, and TV shows you life, like the celebrities you are drawn to. As an adolescent, all of these things feel like a part of personal identity. Being a fan of of a particular band can feel like a deeply personal expression of self at this time. We are looking for external anchors to stabilize our sense of self during a time of great flux. The external world mirrors the internal almost as a temporary stand-in while the tumult of establishing an internal identity is worked through. If you wanna hear more about the lovers, I recommend going back and listening to season four, episode three, which is titled six and nine. In that episode, I explore how the hermit is an inverse of the lovers. And we can also see that in in the way that the six is visually an inverse of nine. But we can also learn more about the lovers by considering how the hermit involves an inward exploration of identity while the lovers involves an outward exploration of identity. So I recommend going back and listening to that as well. Now, another place we can look for the year ahead is the six cards in the minor arcana. If you look across the four sixes, you can see a theme of individual in connection with the other. As I mentioned earlier, This is a number that works to reharmonize in some ways. So while the fives are a time of the loss of innocence and the grief that comes with that, the sixes are a time of working toward a newfound sense of self, a newfound harmony with the external world now that the innocence is shattered. On the six of wands, we see a person being celebrated for their accomplishments. On the six of cups, we see a joyful moment of exchange with a child. On the six of pentacles, we see a rebalancing of resources through those who have, giving to those who do not have. And on the six of swords, we see an an ushering to refuge and safety. All these cards show interpersonal exchanges, showing us that we cannot exist outside of connection with others. So while the fives create that fracture, the sixes are actually working towards mending. So what might this mean for the year ahead? Well, both individually and collectively, we may be working with these themes. Rebelling from an established norm or way of thinking. Exploration of identity. Looking at the world around us in order to better understand ourselves and our values. And, through all of this, tumultuousness. After the profound loss of innocence that came with recent events, this year presents an opportunity to experiment with what a steadier footing in this new reality might look like. It is not a time we can expect to feel steady yet. Just like adolescence, it is a time where we begin to envision what we may be like in relation to a world that is not what we once thought it was. It's an adjustment to a new understanding of the world, a maturation process, and a time of trying on different ways of being and looking outward to determine if it feels like a good fit. You can think of what it was like to be in middle school to connect with this energy. I know for me it was exciting, dynamic, and confusing time of feeling confidence and insecurity swelling right alongside each other. Now, after the last few years, I can imagine most of us don't really want more tumultuousness in our individual or collective lives. I know I certainly don't. But in a way, this is kind of the home stretch. We are in this last push of a phase of development before getting where it was trying to take us, which is embodied by the beacon card of 2023, the chariot. So, what are you supposed to do this year? The healing invitation here is to embrace the energy of exploration as tumultuous as it may be. Look at your environment, the people you surround yourself with, your workplace, your home. Look for patterns and themes. In what way do these things reflect who you are as a person? How can you get a clearer view of yourself by looking at these things? Are there blind spots that you have had? Things that you have been missing about yourself? That your environment and community can help you to see and who do you want to grow into who do you want to be in your next iteration and in what ways may you need to make alterations to your environment to better line up with that being that person do you need to renegotiate or end relationships do you need to change your home or move to a different location do you need to find a different work environment This is a good time to make changes you need to make in order to set yourself up for your next chapter and really move towards personal power and autonomy. And remember, it is going to be emotional and tumultuous, and you are not always going to feel totally confident in what you are doing, mostly because you are worried about how others perceive it. But let yourself not totally know right now. Let yourself take risks and make mistakes in the process. If you do, you will learn a lot about who you are in that process. And by the end of 2022, you may just feel like a different person. Collectively, it will be interesting to see how this plays out. 2021 showed me that I find it easier to see these collective themes in retrospect than in any kind of forecasting but it will be interesting to see how this dynamic and tumultuous adolescent type energy intersects with the ongoing issues we have been dealing with in the world. I'd imagine by the end of 2022, our collective approach could look quite different from how it looks now. And also that there could be a re-emergence of more individualized thinking rather than collective thinking and a different focus on the function of peer relationships. We shall see if that is true and what that may look like. And this brings me to my final note. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, I don't know right now what the future of the podcast will be. At many points in the past year, I thought it was over. But also, I am anticipating a lot of change in my life this year. I imagine by the end of 2022, that I will be in a very different place than I am right now. And from where I stand today, I believe a lot of that will have to do with my work life, what it looks like, how I spend my time, and whether I work for myself or someone else. So I think there is a lot of hope for the podcast, but as the lover shows us, we really don't know what it will look like on the other side. What I can do is stay open minded and experiment until I find a relationship with work that feels like a right fit. And with this, helps me to grow. And one thing I know for sure right now is that my current relationship isn't it. I've seen things this past year I cannot unsee, and I know I am on my way to a different setup. All of this is very vague, I know, but this is how I am comfortable sharing right now. So hopefully I will be talking to you again in this coming year. And regardless, here's to rebellious, dynamic, and exciting year ahead. Rulock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It is written and produced by me, Weston. Music for the podcast is provided by Doa, Davis and Jure. You can find links for both of these incredible artists in the show notes. And if you love Rulock Radio, don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a kind review. To learn more about me and the tarot goods and services I have to offer, Please visit my website, RootlockTarot.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Rootlock Radio.